Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who has four points in the G1 Climax, Derek Halpin. This is news to me, but I don't think that's going to do me any good. Like four points, what's that going to get me? Nothing now. I mean, it does get you respect from some people for having beaten two, <laughs> two people in the G1 for, Climax. For having any points at all. Okay, let's say you're in the G1 Climax and you have defeated two people. Who are the two people that you think you were able to beat out of the, the current G1 roster? Mm. Well, based on what I've seen recently, I feel like I actually have a shot at Moxley. <laughs> we'll get into that later. And, uh, fuck, man, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say you're probably going to go ahead and get a piece of bad luck Fale or Lance Archer. You th- so you think there's people I could, I could hang with in the G1? Yeah. I mean, maybe That's... I pick two people that like I don't love, but I mean, you're not beating Okada. Would you pay money to see me fight Ishii? Oh, man. I mean, I would have to be in your corner, and I don't want to be near Ishii. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I think I like you too much. Like as much as, you know, we joke about You'd be that worried. Yeah. I think I would, I might be more worried walking through there than you are. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair based on past experiences, but. And let, yeah. let's face it. The guy who walks to the ring with the other guy always gets beat up at some point, And I might not That's... have even done anything. That's true. I disagree with the part about you not having not done anything because you put me in the tournament, apparently. Yeah, but you could have backed out at any point. I'm just not that kind of person, Garrett. You, we got to the airport. I said, are you sure you want to do this? You said, yeah, I am. We sat there for an hour. Our flight was delayed. We had more time to think about it. You said, let's do this. 14-hour plane ride. I watched a TV out of, of Aaron Brockovich. You watched uh, Ocean's 12. I said, are you sure? You said, yes. Also, I think Abushi would be the funniest person to add to a new Ocean's movie. Uh, <laughs> I said, what, what would he do for the team? And you said, obviously, hard kicks. Uh, we landed in Japan, and then you fucking beat Bad Luck Fale on your first try. Are you fucking with me? And this is actually a fan fiction that somebody finally sent into this show about us. And it's about you managing me in the G1 climax. We, we bring meaning to the name. I've just been waiting on somebody who listens to this podcast to write a, a fan fiction of us. And that seemed no, like a good one. No, we wanted erotic. And that's what I'm saying. You know, give Did us- it have to be erotic. I think we specified erotic. Now, yes, we obviously specified erotic. It doesn't have to start with us fucking, but it ends with us fucking. Well, maybe, maybe it becomes erotic in the sense that I fight Kota Ibushi in the G1, and without Kenny in his life, Kota's going through a weird time, and he's looking for a replacement, and he finds me. You're probably weirded out that I volunteered myself for that. No, I'm more upset that you took... you know Derek and Garrett's G1 climax and you left me for Kota Ibushi and now I'm just stuck in Japan I don't think you would be that upset about being stuck in Japan because from what it sounds like you really enjoyed yourself there it was a wonderland and I want to go back (laughs) hit our goddamn music
So, speaking of Japan. Yeah? 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 Man. You want to talk about it? Yeah, we always start talking about the G1 way too late in this show. <laughs> and I feel like if anyone actually... I'm sorry. that uh, My level spiked there because I'm popping open a White Claw. My new drink that I have while I do this podcast. Do we have a sponsorship with White Claw that you're not telling me about? God, I wish. Honestly, I would do it for a case. One case of 12 and you like can you would you would continuously plug white claw on this podcast just for one free 12 pack one free 12 pack my rates are low uh but also their gain is low <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for white claw yeah like they i mean you can pay joey janella if you want or you can just send me a case and i'll keep telling all of our listeners who I think are probably lo- who's who's drinking a White Claw right now? Raise your hand. Maybe Queen of the Ring is. I don't know if uh, anyone else that we know drinks White Claw on the reg, but uh, yeah, we're gonna be having a few White Claws come all out weekend. That that can be said for sure. Will we be at Starcast? Who the fuck knows? Will I be drinking who White Claws? Certain as fuck. shit. Knows, but white claws are going down the hatch. Hey, speaking of paying people, if you want to pay us a favor, because that's as good as anything, you should hop on over to iTunes, leave us five stars and a nice review. As always, you know what I'm about to say, but I'll say it anyway. If you leave us a nice review, you can suggest something for us to check out as long as it's slightly related to the world of professional wrestling. Could be a movie, could be a television show, could be a lot of things, could be something fun on YouTube. It be could a be motherfucking Hobbs and Shaw, which I am going to talk up at the end of this episode. Yeah. Suggest something, and then we will talk about it on this podcast for you. That's our, you know, that's your receipt. You, you give us the review. Here's your receipt. We uh, talk about it on the pod. That's and, you know, if you want uh, to send us something in the email, predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com. You know, if you need to email me and say, hey, Garrett, give me your address so I can send you some white claws. I'm up for it. You know, just give, give me the white claws. Give Garrett some more white claws. Garrett, um, yeah, you're right. We do usually put the uh, the G1, or at least New Japan, we, we give that the main event spot. A lot of times we save that for the end. We kind of throw it on as we're wrapping up. But we're not doing that today. We're going to talk about that at the top because we're getting towards the end of the G1. We watched a couple matches for this episode. Which one would you like to talk about first, buddy? Well, I think the one that everybody was pretty pumped for that was happening at all was John Moxley versus Toro Yano. I is this the first time I have seen what I would dub as a uh, a comedy match in New Japan? Is that fair to say? Not ever. I mean, that's kind of Toro Yano's thing. Like he's the comedy no, no, no. match. I'm not saying it's ever happened. I'm saying the one that I've watched. Oh, yeah, I honestly, I figure you probably have skipped a fair amount of Toro Yano. He's towards the beginning of these shows, usually. Well, let me just tell you, I was absolutely fucking delighted by this match. And it was only like about a 10-minute match. Oh, I think it was even less than that. I feel like it was maybe three. (laughs) It was a little longer than that, because there was some shenanigans on the outside of the ring. 5.06. Let's just talk about the fact that John Moxley is not undefeated in the G1 anymore, and Toru Yanu and his fucking tape came in handy in this match. <laughs> I like 
this was, you know how I have been saying I've been waiting for something to really put Moxley over for me? Is this it? This was it, Derek. I found it. Like him having a, I can't believe this just happened to me moment. Yeah. And him be, did you watch the press conference afterwards? Oh, I absolutely did. <laughs> just him like needing to go ice his balls and like just admitting that to beat Toro Yano, you must become Toro Yano. And that did not work for him tonight. So for those who didn't watch the match, Toro Yano did not want to fight John Moxley. Makes sense. <laughs> so he tries bribing him with a DVD that he's already on and 10,000 yen. <laughs> And that didn't work because John Moxley worked for WWE. He's got plenty of money. He's set. So he kicked that shit out of his hand and proceeded to try to fight him. He ran away. There was some shit on the outside. He broke out the tape. He tried to tape Moxley to the, uh, to the, the, the rail, but he got that reversed on him. He almost got counted out because Moxley taped him to the rail. And which Moxley fucked up on that taping of Toro Yano. Toro Yano had to sell not very much tape for a lot longer than any of us were comfortable with. I thought it worked. Oh, he could have pulled out of that, and you could see on Toro Yano's face where he's like, I've got to really fidget around in this for another 10 seconds. I think uh, this is another example. I didn't know what happened in this match. I didn't hear any spoilers. I've assumed up until this point that because, you know, Moxley's undefeated. He's sure as shit not going to lose a match to this guy in this fashion. And so when he go, they go back on the outside and Toro Yanu ends up, not, what, he ends up pulling, what's, his, what's the guy who's with Moxley right now? So do you know the story going on there? No, I don't. So do you remember that first Moxley match he had? Oh, yes! And he grabbed the young yes. lion and he said, this is yes. mine now? It just came back to me. Yes. That his Moxley has named protege. He has named him shooter. So that, and that is Moxley's young lion that he has named shooter that carries his belt around for him. Well, that's perfect. Is Moxley's better with a thing. That's like his new plant. There's a lot of guys that are good with like an extra. Like, sometimes that's just you need something to play off of, and that's fine. Especially since up to this point, he really hasn't been, like, a like a comedy character, has he? No, like, he's been completely serious, and I think that's what I enjoyed about him, is when I saw him, because we've seen him do, like, the stuff with Janela, we've seen him do the stuff with Ishii, you know, hard-hitting brawler stuff. And then when he reminded me, hey, Garrett, I might do a match with Chuck Taylor here and there, and it's going to be a lot of fun for you. Uh, <laughs> I realized, holy shit, I think I love John Moxley now. So do you feel like you got reminded, like, yeah, he got plenty of practice doing funny stuff when he was Dean Ambrose in WWE. He can do this. I like knowing that he is going to be funny on occasion. He can be serious like, when he needs to, but clearly a match against Toro Yano doesn't need to be like a 30-minute spectacular. So he's got, he's, he's what's what's the word? He's... He's diverse. He's I guess. versatile. He's versatile. That's what I'm looking for. He's got that in his back pocket. He pulls it out in this match. I got to say, y you sent me the, the post-match comments, which are fucking hilarious on their own, but after he tapes him to Shooter, Toru tapes Moxley to Shooter, runs back in the ring. The entire time they're taped together, in my mind as I'm watching it, I'm thinking... Well, God, he's running out of time. I wonder how the hell they're going to make this spot work. <laughs> like, I, I was still up until the very last, up until like 19. 
I was still waiting on him, pulling him into the ring with him, and it didn't happen. So when the countout happened, I kind of popped, not for necessarily the result, but for the fact that like I didn't expect it to end that way. And so Moxley gets his first New Japan loss on a technicality, a countout, but it's still a loss. It doesn't make him look weak. It just looks kind of funny and like he got outsmarted in a moment. You talked about the post-match, whatever, interview. Almost just as good as when he's sitting there getting untaped from Shooter. He and like he's distraught. He's livid. And in the most serious voice you could imagine, he says, this is unacceptable. He does say that to the referee. And you know what? He's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. That is one that maybe shouldn't have been let go. (laughs) There was a sporting moment where a man taped his opponent to another man. and And the result came in because of that. And John Moxley just thought that was unprofessional. He thought that that was, as he said, unacceptable. And then he goes on a rant in the backstage area talking about they could go beat the shit out of him, but that wouldn't do anything. He wants to learn his ways. <laughs> See, now maybe later we can get an awesome tag team of Toro Yanu and John Moxley that he respects him, and I could see that being a fun tag team. Or maybe they start their own faction. He did, he did whatever it took to win, Garrett, and he got the W. <laughs> he appreciated that. Moxley respected it. We watched Moxley lose his first match. Did you happen to see the results of or catch any of him versus Jay White? I didn't. I heard people talking about it, but I didn't get to watch that one. So you don't know how it ended? I don't. Jay White beat John Moxley, my friend. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's got two losses now. But do you know that Toro Yano has three wins in the G1? Guess, do you know who those three are against now? Who? Naito, Moxley, and Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the top guys are jobbing to Yano. <laughs> so it's like a running gag in the G1 this year. That Toro Yano has taken out some top guys. Yeah, I'm a fan <laughs> of that. But um, Jay White, yeah, that match... This was the it was actually a pretty good match between Moxley and uh and Jay White, but it got me like it was the first time that I I think it was because of this comedy match that I was like on board with Moxley. He was beating the shit out of Jay White, which I loved. And uh <laughs> I was waiting for that. It was a good match though. It got me thinking though like is Jay White like I want to see him lose right now. So he's doing a good job. Like, this is an actual match where I am truly rooting for one man to win. And you said they put on a good match. Was it a clean victory? Um, fuck, I'm trying to remember the finish now. I feel like there were some balls punching, but maybe that was in Yano. Uh, I know Gato got involved. I don't know. Fucking Jay White rolled him up or something. <laughs> so... How do you feel about Jay White after this? I don't still like him the same way. And I heard, <laughs> I heard a okay. So we'll get to some something more with Jay White here in a minute. All right. But later in the night for that the night of the Moxley Yano match was that the same night as the uh, Shingo Naito match? Shingo Takagi versus Tetsuya Naito. I that would make sense. God damn, I loved that match a whole lot. Yeah, this was. I don't know, this one started off fun with them kind of being coy and well, at least Naito trying to be coy and playful with 
Shingo, and he just wasn't having it. They were trying to do some respect bits. Shingo wasn't having it. So then Naito just started fucking with him. And then they ended up beating the shit out of each other pretty hard for the rest of the match. (laughs) It really was a match set up by, like, that beginning part, then they hit each other, then they did really dangerous shit, then, like, a little more dangerous shit, and then they just started hitting each other with finishers. And it was just a lot of fun. Because, you know, these apparently these two had never wrestled before. Now they're on the same faction, and it kind of had that thing like, oh, man, if Shingo beats the leader of their team... That's going to create a weird dynamic. God damn it. If Naito didn't, you know, let him know he's still the leader. <laughs> yeah, this was a good match. Um, is this a match you would show somebody to like sell them on New Japan? I think it was a good New Japan match. I think this was a good example of what I like to see from their guys. A couple guys that are willing to do like pretty crazy shit to each other. And hit each other very hard. I think this was a good example of a good New Japan match. I would agree with that sentiment. Honestly, probably one of my favorites of the entire G1 so far. I I don't know. This one just really, really stuck out to me. You said you, right before we started recording, you said you had watched uh, another match or two before this? Yeah, I did watch a couple more. I watched, uh, this was a weird matchup. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ibushi. What was weird about this one to you? It's just so weird to me that, like, I don't know. Like, uh, even though Ibushi's a pretty jacked guy, he's not one of the bigger wrestlers physically. So seeing just two guys that are about the same height, one is all muscles and one is just lanky, kicking the shit out of each other. There was something really weird just watching their two bodies collide and just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) and just thinking, these are two very strange people. Like, if I showed somebody this as their first match, they'd be like, I don't know if I understand wrestling anymore. <laughs> this, this is far removed from Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. <laughs> and at one point, because, you know, Ibushi's got the hurt ankle, so Saber's tying him up and hurting that ankle over and over again. And Ibushi does eventually break free and do a standing double knees to Saber. That move looks like it hurts to everyone, but it has never looked more devastating than when it's on a man of that frame. (laughs) (laughs) But I like both of these guys, so I'm sure they put on a fun match. Oh, no, 100% worth checking out. Uh, Let me, God, what did I take a note on here? Oh, yeah, fuck, this ended with that, I think that Zack Sabre Jr.'s finisher should be that move where he just stretches their dick out really far. And I I think that move should just be called ouch my balls. And it is the finisher that everyone (laughs) taps out of 100% of the time. I'm fine with that. And it's called ouch my balls. I, the name of that move is ouch my balls. All right. Which I believe is a TV show in that movie idiocracy, but I think that would be a good name for it. But Saber, he would think that's a funny name for the finisher. Like, would he approve of you naming his moves that? If he he would look me in the eyes and then punt my head off. Yeah. In the name of the podcast, do it. Zach, though, I like that he always seems like he is trying to win the wrestling match. Uh, There's a lot of guys that, you know, they just do the crazy moves and do the finishers, but he like quickly rolls people up and like does roll ups out of nowhere and is clearly just trying to win this match. Do you think there's a smart psychology that you don't see too much of? Sorry. Gotta have your white claw. 
<laughs> I had to let cats out. They figured out a way to open the door. Uh, sorry, let me... S- yeah, I feel like a lot of people... I mean, especially in New Japan, like you said, with some matches, it feels like... I think... I don't know. I wouldn't say they feel long for the sake of being long, but maybe in like some very spot-fest matches, you're like, well, they definitely could have just tried to win after that, but they just kept doing flips. Uh, the, Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't do that, and I, I appreciate that, and all of his hits look hard, and everything looks like it makes sense. I feel like Jim Cornette would love Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> I'm glad that's a point of reference when you feel like this is an old school wrestling guy. Jim Cornette would totally be into that. He would watch this match and be like, I don't always care for that fucking Abushi, but God damn it. Zack Sabre Jr. Always tries to roll him up and get that pin. And that's important. He's a wrestling. legitimate athlete. He's legitimate. <laughs> He's trying to win a fucking match. That's what the perps professional wrestling supposed to be. God damn it. And then he throws some shit, throws some shit and has a Sprite. So and Garrett has a white claw. Garrett's gonna have a second white claw. I got a raspberry down by my feet. Oh my god! I also watched Okada versus Sonata. Tell me about it. There is not a more overdue than Sonata right now. Why is that? What happened? So now I'm starting to hear rumors that WWE has interest in Sonata, even though it's see. I don't know if this is just with me. I don't feel he doesn't connect with me very much, but I appreciate that he is very over over there. Does and, it make you smile when there's somebody that like you're not necessarily into them, but you can see the crowd going ape shit and you go, ah, that's wrestling for you. Exactly. Like, a guy, like it doesn't have to be your personal favorite for you to acknowledge that it's working. And it's a guy that like, he's done nothing wrong. So I'm not mad that he's over and it's not like he's I don't know. It honestly, it's just kind of like when Dolph Ziggler's super over in the. No, it isn't because Ziggler loses. Sonata wins. <laughs> Never mind. Fucking Sonata's the shit. And uh, <laughs> I guess WWE might be looking to sign him. And what I'm hearing is that New Japan started giving him this push, maybe to try and sway him the other way. But would it have been this push that just got him super fucking over? He, no joke, got more cheers than Okada. Really? They, uh, Red Shoes was kind of balancing the chance, and then eventually he went higher up with Okada or with, um, Sonata's showing, like, yeah, he's, he, it's probably like 60 40 right now. Wow. I mean, for him, for real, like, that guy is crazy over. And I don't know if you were him, if I was New Japan, I would try and keep that guy there because you clearly have a hometown guy that is... I mean, if he's getting that kind of cheer over Okada, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's been that way all the entire time. Like, when we saw him fight uh, Tanahashi, it was still kind of split. So we are going to be getting more... I guess you know the podcast is going to be dropping tomorrow from when we're recording this. So there's going to be more New Japan results rolling in as this episode is released. So we're getting towards the end of this thing, aren't we? Well, so, yeah, we are. Right now, the uh, A block, it has come down to two people. It is either going to be Okada or Ibushi. It's come down to them fighting each other in the last A block matchup. Or, yeah, A block matchup and winner take all. Uh, Okada's at 14 points. Ibushi's at 12 so I had to I actually had to call John and ask, like, what are the rules here? So it turns out 
if you do end up on a tie, it's whoever defeats the other person. So since they come down to facing each other, even though they would be tied in points, since Ibushi would beat Okada, that would take him to the finals. Oh, wow. So that's a that's a big fucking deal that's going to happen, I guess, technically today. Uh, no, that's actually... So there's still two rounds left in the B block. And tonight so is... So they're going to wait on that? Yeah. Yeah, so we have one more B block, and then we'll have that one, what, like, n- this weekend, I believe? New Japan show scheduling ruins my fucking brain. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about it makes sense. So tonight we're getting Ishii versus Shingo, Moxley versus Goto, Jay White versus Juice, Taichi versus Toro Yano, and Jeff Cobb versus Naito. But is there a clear-cut outcome kind of in the B block right now? Um... Well, there kind of is because there is supposedly a bus ad that somebody captured a picture of in Japan that tells the ending. <laughs> Should we say that? I I mean, it, you know... It, say it, and then we'll just tell people right now, if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead like two minutes. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. So here's your chance. There's going to be a spoiler. Spoiler maybe. alert. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. So supposedly the bus ad is showing the finals of Abushi versus Jay White. Fucking really? Yeah. <laughs> what if, what if, now hear me out. Really? What if Jay White wins and we see those two fight again, but this time in the Tokyo Dome and no one gives a shit a second time? They wouldn't do that, right? Really? <laughs> What am I not getting here? Unless they're going with Koto Ibushi for this whole thing. Which you were saying since the beginning, right? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, that's that's what I would prefer to see happen. I think that's the story. But well, yeah, that well, is... Hopefully that's what I'm talking about. Well, we'll stop talking about it now because if people fast forwarded, we don't want to... Well, you get it. And for those just tuning in, wow, it's a real zinger. You're not going to believe what the spoiler is. Maybe, but yeah, it. that's that was the spoiler. Um, I don't know. That's kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They, you know, I I trust them. They'll do something good. Speaking of things getting spoiled, you know, a few weeks back, I thought I got all the Bill Goldberg shit out of my fucking system, but I once again was wrong. This is the most excited I've been for a Bill Goldberg match in years. You are so full of shit. No, I'm not, Derek. Have you ever seen this matchup? This is a hot, fresh matchup. Garrett, don't provoke me. I'm going to blow up. Look, I get it. I guess on the, the positive spin on this is if you could take the Derek Halpin box of shit he doesn't care about and quarantine it in like one segment, this is it. This is fucking it, man. You've got Dolph Ziggler taking on Bill Goldberg at SummerSlam. And... A week ago, you didn't think this was the thing because it was supposed to be The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler, which we've seen a lot. And surprise, guess what you're getting instead? Oh, you know how we gave Undertaker a redemption match at Extreme Rules with Undertaker as a tag team so he could look good in a wrestling ring again and make you forget about that Saudi Arabia shit? No. We're going to give Goldberg another chance, too. Why is there so... Yeah, pop open that fucking white claw. Why is there so much loyalty to this particular WCW motherfucker. 
Dude, it's SummerSlam. It's the biggest party of the summer. Everybody's going to be there. I hate it. I hate it that you're saying that. It's the um, biggest party of the summer. And so Bill has to be invited, right? And hey. That's the way it is. What if Dolph Ziggler wins? I will be so pissed. I think that's the only thing that would ruin it even more for me. Is if Ziggler, if they finally, because right now it's basically one guy that pisses you off and one guy you don't give a shit about having a fight. I am just excited because I know we're all going to be on pens and needles waiting to hear your reaction to this match. I may film my reaction to this match. Can we maybe like guys? I don't know. We could just record your reaction to this match. I could call you up during SummerSlam and we could just sit here and watch it. (laughs) That said, I'm actually looking forward to SummerSlam this weekend. There's a lot. I mean, again, we've talked about this before. It sounds like it's going to be a long fucking pay-per-view. I'm hearing six hours again. Hell yeah, man. It's the big, the biggest, longest party of the summer. It's the biggest party of the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat that into the fucking ground. There is stuff on this show that I am excited to watch. Hit me Do with you... it. Okay, so I'm, for obvious reasons, I'm kind of excited to see how Bray Wyatt's new character, The Fiend, plays out in a ring. So I'm kind of looking forward to the match with him and Finn Balor. Obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Kevin Owens match against Shane McMahon is going to be a fight a wrestling match or a squash. If Shane's going to get the shit beaten out of him, we'll see. And uh, calling it Shane wins Goldberg loses. That would be a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be meeting back here this time next week to air my grievances. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about what do you think Dolph Ziggler's reaction was when he found out he was fighting Goldberg? I bet he was flattered. I bet he was flattered that they thought he was famous. I'm sorry. Okay. Isn't he going around the country doing stand-up comedy? Yes. <laughs> Go do more of that. Please don't what? tell him to do that. Why? He'd be out of my hair at that if that's what he's doing. Would you go see Goldberg do stand-up? Oh my god, yes. In a heartbeat. <laughs> Just it's... to see one thing that he sucks at even more than pro wrestling. Shortest set you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> ah. He came in with three punchlines, but no setups. (laughs) (laughs) God damn. Um, I actually am looking forward to the Natalia Becky Lynch match. I think that'll be a fun wrestling match, especially now that it's a, it's a submission match. Have they? Oh, really? Yeah. Have they actually had a good build to it? I feel like they have. Um, they're also doing uh, for more nostalgia. It didn't get a good reaction on SmackDown this week, uh, the segment anyway, but they're doing Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. Out of fucking nowhere, they're doing that and the Goldberg match. I feel like those got like two weeks build. I actually, since they've started bringing back Trish Stratus, I feel like I've enjoyed everything she's done. So, oh, so have I. To me, this is a match. This is kind of, this is actually a dream match they're providing us. It is. It was just weird because. That was a segment they opened SmackDown with this week. It seemed like the crowd was either mic'd improperly or they weren't into it. And it was weird because I, I agree. Like, I, I was a big Trish fan back in the day, and I'm 
glad that she's coming back to do these like fantasy matchups with some of the younger talent and she's getting her whole one more match deal and it's with Charlotte and that seems like a perfect fit. And uh, yeah, I am looking forward to that. I was just weirded out that I feel like people, some people aren't into it. So what are the main events on this show? I'm hoping it's Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. They've done a good job of, at least with the the packaged videos that they've had, um, telling the story because they've got history going back almost a decade. So <laughs> Randy comes out with Randy comes out with the microphone and just like, I'm gonna come out here and beat your fucking indie guy again. And they're like, "This is Kofi this time. He's a WWE guy." And he's like, "Ah, shit! I've been repeating the same thing. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me get back into it." You trying to be funny and take shots at Randy in the middle of this? Is right now the wrong time to take shots at Randy? I'm not saying it's the wrong time. I thought I thought you had warmed up to him recently or something. Yeah, I think I did a while back. I don't. I'm just busting balls. I'm gonna watch the show and have fun. (laughs) Um, of course we're getting Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar, and Seth promised on Raw that he was going to win the Universal Title back. Do you give a shit, Garrett? I hope that Lesnar beats him. See, this is where we're at, people. This is the current state of WWE in the summer of 2019. People who four months ago wanted Brock Lesnar off the face of the earth are now hoping that he retains the title over Seth Rollins. See, all I needed was a little break from Brock. I just, you know, I think I got tired of seeing him every week. And now that he had a couple months off and hasn't been around as much, I, you know, I just, I feel like maybe he's really learned something. (laughs) It really is his title, Garrett. He's on his third reign as Universal Champion. And it's, you know, he has had some pretty hardy reigns. Hardy. Hardy. Uh, I guess also on this card. Hey. Hey. Congratulations to Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Women's Tag Team Champions in WWE. So they beat the Iconics? Did the Iconics yeah. still have it? Yeah. Had they defended it a bunch? No, not really. <laughs> WWE has, unfortunately, made those titles an afterthought, made them a, a symbolic gesture towards the women, and really haven't done as much with them as they could. And that's that's sad. Uh, Bailey and Ember Moon, they get a, a title match. We get Ricochet versus AJ Styles again. Oof. I feel like Ricochet versus AJ Styles. You know, I... Once again, you go for that every time. Cautiously optimistic because it's WWE, but those two at a SummerSlam, Derek, the biggest party of the summer. <laughs> they beat the, it to death. Why don't you? Have you checked out WWE on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, but those two have the potential <laughs> to do literally anything. Yeah, I'm never going to say no to a Ricochet AJ Styles match. It just, that seems like two guys that could fight forever and give me a different match every time, and it'd just be fun as hell to see. So yeah, tuned into that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to the sh- I guess it's hard when you're paying the $9.99 a month for a fucking WWE Network. I mean, how much can you complain about whatever you're, they're giving you? <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Like, it seems like a good card. This is what's funny uh, for me with my 999. They recently took away my ability to use my Apple TV to watch it because my Apple TV is too old. And, you know, I pretty much watch all of my wrestling on a laptop anyway. But I had it's almost like I have some block in my brain where WWE will now not let me watch it on my television 
So I'm like, well, I'm not going to, you don't get laptop privileges. <laughs> like, all these other people get laptop privileges because they aren't big enough yet for me to watch them on there. You are. Why are so, you doing this to me? So you basically you're punishing WWE because you're like, you guys are supposed to be mainstream and on my television. On the other day, I really wanted to watch NXT UK and see what Walter's up to because we haven't talked about Walter in a couple weeks. And I'll be honest with you, I miss him. <laughs> I thought this recently too when I saw a picture of his. Um, just, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. Walter. Um, he just hasn't, I don't know. I don't watch NXT UK. I'll occasionally watch NXT. But I think because it's on at a weird time, I don't catch it the way I should. Hey, we need to discuss this. So AEW is going to be on on Wednesday nights now. Yes. What the fuck are we going to do? We're not well, going to brought this up to you recently actually. So do we move to Friday? We may have to move to Friday because obviously that's going to be in our regular rotation review. We're not going to record the podcast while it's happening. We could record it at night. After it's over, we could, in theory, but then I like, I want to go into the details. I will be getting a new uh, form of employment soon, so that may be a possibility. Yay! So I may be able to record a little bit later than I normally do, but that'll also mean that you have to stay up later editing, and that's fine with me because I love our listeners enough that I will put myself through that. You hear that? That's called. Either love or a guilt trip. I don't know. What do you all think? Do you want us to keep it on Thursdays or would you want us to extend it to Fridays or move it to Fridays so that we could talk AEW? Because I think you and I both know. I'm, I, th- I mean, I think we're both going to be watching that show and are very excited for it. Yes. Like, I, I, it's, I don't feel like we talk about it enough on here how excited I am to have a completely different wrestling promotion on a major network in a prime time slot with people I know on it. I had to say all of those things specifically because I feel like if I left out one of those details, somebody would have been like, well, you could have watched TNA. You could have, you could have watched that or you could have watched that. And like, here's the deal. I don't like putting in a ton of effort to have to watch pro wrestling laptop occasionally to catch up on some new Japan about as, as about as far as I'll go. So AEW being on TNT on Wednesdays, it's going to feel like, I know people are going to hate this and roll their eyes at it. It feels like a spiritual successor to WCW to me, even though it's a completely different thing. It's the idea that there's another brand in a primetime slot. Like I'm, I'm so craving that right now. Like I'm hungry for it. And we're like, what we're just a little under two months away. But it, not just that it's the that it's another wrestling show, but it is these guys that we have been talking about since the beginning of this podcast and in our regular lives prior to this podcast. You know, just getting to watch these guys grow and get to the point that they are, there's a lot invested in this right now. I think it's hard to put into words because I guess I, what I'm trying to say is that, like, when WCW went away, yes, there have been, you know, 
TNA, Impact, there has been Ring of Honor, there's been New Japan, there's been you know, there's been other wrestling for you to watch, but there's something significant to me about the idea of it being evening and your day is over with and you're relaxing at home and you have pro wrestling programming on your television as you're, you're enjoying your night. And the idea that there will be a non-WWE promotion in that time slot it's exciting as hell to me. And just, goddamn, I'm excited to see my favorite wrestlers on TV. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, have, I don't have a regular TV show that I tune in weekly for. So even just having something that I know, I mean, I'm going to say for at least the first year, regardless of how good it is, I don't see myself not tuning in every week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, I can't stress enough how excited I am for AEW to get started. Got all out here in a couple weeks, but we got to talk about something that just happened this past weekend to you, my friend, because you are just racking up frequent flyer miles like a motherfucker. Took another trip to LA this past weekend to visit some friends, to watch some Hobbs and Shaw, to see some bar wrestling. You've got stories. We want to hear them. Yeah, I had, on me, brother. I had never gotten to go to a bar wrestling show. They literally had the first one the month that I moved away. So I never got to make it out to Baldwin Park for a single one of uh, Joey Ryan's bar wrestling shows. This was bar wrestling number 41 and out come the wolves. God damn, this was a fun promotion. I'd also heard from, I don't know who I had heard this from, but I heard it wasn't in a great neighborhood. It was absolutely fine. I feel like I get told that a lot about neighborhoods. Who's afraid of these neighborhoods? Who's Grow up. Do you just have different standards for what a bad neighborhood is than everybody else? And they're like building up how shitty it is. Maybe. Not just neighborhoods, but I guess towns too. I've definitely been to places that I've been afraid to be, but this wasn't one of them. I felt fine. We're in the parking lot of a... An American Legion Hall. I, you know, it's not American Legion Hall post 308 in Reseda, California. I can't tell you what this one is. But, goddamn, it was one of the hottest shows I've ever been to. And that includes every single PWG show. Which always sounded like they were pretty fucking hot. And, and not like as in, like, the action was so exciting. No, temperature-wise. Temperature-wise... I had never seen anyone this sweaty in my life. I went with, uh, who was with me? Uh, West Coast correspondent John, Luke, Billy, uh, my friend Kelly and Blair went, which it was both of their first indie wrestling shows. Uh, and they both plan on attending the next one. So if you're wondering, is bar wrestling a good way to, is it a good gateway drug into pro wrestling? Absolutely. Uh, it's set up more like Southern Underground Pro is, where it's just a ring in the middle of a room, no seats. But luckily, the ring is elevated enough that you have a better vantage point. Well, tell us about the show. What was the what was the environment like beyond the temperature and the elevated ring? I think Joey Ryan created a pretty good atmosphere of people that just, you know, I think he's described it as he wanted this to feel like a party that had wrestling at it. Is that what it felt like? It was, yes, a really, really hot party with wrestling at it. <laughs> but no, he also... You said, something, you said something about the air conditioning that I thought was interesting. What did I, what did I say about... Oh, wait, what did I say? 
Was this where you said that the air conditioning was kicking on for some short periods? Oh, yeah. At the end of a match, the air conditioner would kick on for 60 seconds at a time. And then it would just turn back off. They had air conditioning. And also, I need to say this. I got to see uh, my, my old pals, Matt, Mike, and Kelly, who uh, Kelly wanted me to point out that when we talked about Double or Nothing, I said Matt, Mike, and Kelly were all drunk. And she did take a bit of offense to that because I didn't really specify. Kelly is almost their wrangler. She has, she keeps her wits about her to wrangle those two around. And uh, I, I do want to put it out there. Kelly was not intoxicated at double or nothing. <laughs> so she wasn't, but the other two were. The other two were, but yeah. Uh, and none of them had been drinking this night, which caught me off guard. I think because one, it's on a Thursday night. Two, a lot of heat. But while we're watching one of the matches, at one point, I just hear Matt say, uh, what is he? He just said, like, get my back. And I look over and he, he said, I'm going in. Watch my back. He went over and found the thermostat and was trying to turn the air conditioning on for the entire room. And it had a lock on it, I believe. So he, he but he did try and do a good deed. That was probably the best deed I've seen him try and do at a wrestling show. <laughs> Wouldn't do that for Meltzer, would he? I Oh, Meltzer wasn't there, so he's going to turn that air on for all of us. And at one point during this show as well, I know we haven't gotten to any matches, but Matt points over and he just said, hey, you got to take a look at something. This is an important part of bar wrestling. I said, okay. And he's like, see those two? I was like, holy shit. And it was two, like, Marco stunt-sized people. Not like technical, you know, just short people. Not little people, but like short people. And they right. were really making out like making out real good, like real sexy making out. And <laughs> it was so hot and you're just standing there in front of a bunch of people. And he said, they do this every single show. These two just make out. And then I looked away for a second. He says, no, no, look back. She's chewing on his tits. And I said, what? <laughs> and I peek back around and this girl is chewing on this man's tits. And that's just part of the experience. Hey, Derek, it's a party with wrestling at it, man. Uh, clearly. <laughs> I, I wasn't there, but I can imagine. Uh, some would even say the party of the summer. But not the biggest party of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Uh, one thing, Son of a bitch. <laughs> one thing Joey does with these shows that I think a lot of people really appreciate is he actually puts local L.A. talent on the shows. That was never really, like, even though PWG is associated with Southern California, there are very few SoCal guys on the PWG roster. Like, they bring people in from all over the world. Exactly. Like, the Young Bucks were SoCal, but them and Brody King were really it. So, hmm. Joey Ryan's starting a show where, yeah, he's bringing a lot of big indie guys, but he is also kind of spotlighting some of the actual Southern California pro wrestling talent which i really appreciated and there were a few guys that were over as fuck there's this guy uh andy brown i guess downtown andy brown downtown andy brown people love saying that <laughs> that's uh, such an old school wrestling name but the yeah the the opening match just spotlighted a bunch of local indie guys that were all really good it was a really good opener just kind of an eight man you know fun match uh the second one luchasaurus versus brandon cutler Was Get, Luchasaurus on point? Getting to stand next to Luchasaurus was very exciting. That guy's big. 
it's fun to stand next to a giant wrestler sometimes. Because <laughs> like, you lean over and whisper, like you're definitely gonna have an action figure soon. I'm gonna buy your toy. <laughs> you're gonna sit. You on totally my desk. are too. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a toy of those two small people chewing on each other's tits. (laughs) See, now that is the toy. What is that? Like, why was that lady nibbling on his nips? Some people are into that. And it was so awesome that two people that were like the exact same height found each other and are like passionately in love. And have no problem expressing that in public. And a good on a a schedule. (laughs) A good tit chew from the second row of bar wrestling is really where it's at. So go back. Tell me more about Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus versus Brandon Cutler. Luchasaurus, obviously, over as fuck. I think adults and children love him alike. Uh, Brandon Cutler. People seem to have a problem with that guy. Like wrestling problems or, or actual problems? I think the crowd just seems to not like him. And they're, I don't know if it's that they don't feel like he deserved his AEW contract. Or what? But there is definitely... Because he's a babyface. Like, that was a babyface, babyface match. No one was a heel. But Brandon Cutler was getting a fair amount of booze and uh, people screaming not nice stuff at him. Hmm. Is there something we don't know? Well, I mean, you know, he's the Young Bucks guy. Like, they're, he did a lot of stuff for them. And I think he's been wrestling longer than we've been seeing him wrestle. But I could see that, I don't know, it really seems like that is where people are like, why is he going to be on my TV? I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I don't know, that was kind of That's the vibe I got. What happened next, man? Taya Valkyrie versus Ethan Page. Did you feel like you got lucky with this one? This was a fun one. Uh, Ethan Page did a lot of, it was very Andy Kaufman-esque. Like, just just old school heel heat, like, saying bad stuff about ladies. And at one point, before they started the match, he said, I may be an asshole, but at least I'm not a woman. <laughs> oh, shit. He got his ass beat. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what happens. The next one, real hot. It was Doomfly, Delilah Doom, and Eli Everfly, uh, which you saw Eli at our first GCW show. Correct. He was in like a six or eight man match with a lot of flips and shit. Him and his lady friend, Delilah Doom, they're dressed up in clothes that look like Nickelodeon colors. Very festive. <laughs> then we had PP. What are Ri- Nickelodeon colors? Like bright orange? Like bright orange. Like look like they have Gak on them. You know, the old school Nickelodeon font. <laughs> That's awesome. There's it's. A, oh, and they come out to fat lip by some 41. All right. You can't be mad at that. And then they're no, gone. I'm not. This was so they're going up against PP Ray, which is Peter Avalon, you may know as the librarian, and his buddy Ray Rosa. God damn. If PP Ray is in your town, get your ass out there and see PP Ray. Why? <laughs> These two are just grinding all over the crowd, and if you hold up a dollar, you can stuff a dollar bill into either of their mouths. Damn. And that you can put it down their shorts. Like, they're just, they're being real sexy about it. And I just think the name PP Ray's hilarious. They were super over. Uh, then they were also fighting Los Luchas, which is basically just two generic looking luchadors. Great. Just look very, you know, <laughs> just generic looking. Great. Great. 
and then the review the yeah that's yeah that's my review great i mean what do you want me to say they looked the they looked the same i didn't know their names they were just generic luchadors and they were also (laughs) fighting these two dudes uh that called themselves reno scum which since the show is called outcome the wolves named after a rancid album you just as well have a match with two guys in it that look like they're in the band rancid But this was one where we're constantly having to move out of the way as guys are being thrown into us. Eli Everfly and Delilah Doom went over crazy shit. Just honestly, this is a show where Joey Ryan has straight up said wins and losses do not matter in bar wrestling. This I guess is, that's a good thing. I mean, he's got his own thing going, so. His show is that it's supposed to be. Apply. Yeah, his show's supposed to just be a fun party. Uh, after that, it's we not had the biggest party of the summer. Let's not the biggest party, but it was a pretty big party. Uh, then we had <laughs> Tyler Bateman versus Tommy Dreamer, which Tyler Bateman is uh, good buddies with our West Coast correspondent, John. Actually, Tyler Bateman starred in a short horror film he made. Really? Yeah. And Tyler Bateman let him know beforehand that he was planning on dressing up as Raven and doing the entire match as Raven. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Uh, the I will say this. Okay, so match was fun. You know, they hit each other in the head with like cookie sheets and stuff. It was a little more hardcore than the other matches. But after it was over, because um, Harley Race had just died that day, and so after the match was over, Tommy Dreamer got a microphone to cut a promo about it. And it wouldn't be a wrestling show with Matt if Matt didn't yell something at somebody, and. He, Tommy Dreamer was clearly about to go into a much longer speech than any of us wanted in a room this hot. And Matt just shouts, too hot to talk. Move on. Really? He did. (laughs) What a fucking heel. Uh, I don't think Matt would disagree with you that he's a bit of a heel, but I laughed so hard because everybody, (laughs) everybody just looks like a faucet. Like we all look like Samoa Joe in Saudi Arabia in that building. (laughs) Like, I don't, that will forever be the hottest you could possibly be. I'm as hot as Samoa Joe in Saudi Arabia. Do you think that's a story that like two years from now, Tommy Dreamer will remember? No, I don't think he will. But I think Samoa Joe will always remember how hot it was in us in Saudi Arabia. You don't think if somebody says, do you remember the day that Harley race passed and you were going to make a speech at bar wrestling and somebody told you that it was too hot to talk (laughs) too hot to talk. Move on. (laughs) Did he? No, he finished. Oh, okay. Okay. This is where some issues came. The main event, Brian Cage, Scott Steiner versus Joey Ryan and Orange Cassidy. A dream match. A main event. Anywhere in the world. (laughs) Because you giggle afterwards. (laughs) So Cage comes out wearing Scott Steiner's, you know, headdress. Steiner comes out wearing the headdress. The other two come out. Steiner starts cutting a promo. And Steiner... Uses the F word. Oh, that F word. The the F word that you don't say. Uh, okay. Uh, a homophobic slur F word. And the whole crowd kind of groaned. And he started to put the microphone down and he went, he pulled it back up. He was, what, is that not PC enough for you? And basically we were all collectively like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> You know, like rub him the wrong way. I think he thought we were all pussies after that. 
And he's like, oh, so this is going to be one of those liberal pussy rooms. And we're like, there have been three matches where dudes have kissed each other before this. We're all very clearly okay with it. And you're the one being a dick. So I don't know if Joey Ryan is going to invite Scott Steiner back to bar wrestling after that. Probably not. Because part of Joey Ryan's thing is the shows are very inclusive. Very fun spots in this, though. Joey and Orange Cassidy. I know Candace can never, ever be replaced in my heart. But when Orange Cassidy's there, that is truly the world's cutest tag team. What was so adorable about these two as a team? So Joey goes to, you know, oil up his chest as he does before every match. And Orange Cassidy looks at him and like pulls out his pockets. So Joey Ryan oiled up both of Orange Cassidy's pockets before he slid his hands down into them. (laughs) And then seeing, uh, just seeing things like, Scott or seen Orange Cassidy walk up to Scott Steiner and offer up a test of strength. Be the one to initiate the test of strength. (laughs) (laughs) And then immediately when Scott Steiner goes for his hands, Orange Cassidy just slides him into the pockets and smirks. (laughs) Uh, Scott, I mean, physically, he looked great. He still looks like Scott Steiner. He wrestled in the NWO shirt. He went to slam Orange Cassidy and basically dropped him on his head. And then he did the same thing to Joey Ryan a little bit later. So he can't go. It didn't feel like it. Like, Orange Cassidy and Joey Ryan aren't the two biggest dudes in pro wrestling. And if you're dropping those two on their heads, I don't know who you need to be wrestling anymore. But he had three... While I was in town, Impact had three fucking shows. And you attended nary a one. Not a one, Derek. I mean, I would have if I had time, but this wasn't a wrestling trip. This was a vacation that I went to go see wrestling on. And none of those were the biggest party of the summer, so why would you even bother? No, the biggest party of the Okay, to end this, bar wrestling fucking rules. It is a lot of fun. Uh, it costs 25 bucks to get in. They do it a couple times a month at, I believe, the Hi-Hat and at the Baldwin Park uh, Legion Hall. I would go to either of them. Like, honest to God, this for 25 bucks, the talent that you're seeing, I mean, I would pay 25 bucks to see a show just with Orange Cassidy. So when you're getting this many indie guys that you know and like, the show's only two and a half hours long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. 100% I would return to this show. And if you live in Los Angeles and haven't been to bar wrestling, fucking go do it, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's no air conditioning and you cannot say the F word. Uh, at the hi-hat, there is air conditioning. So if you can make it over to one of those, enjoy the cool air, have a cold beer, go say hi to Matt. Have and a al- white claw. And also, Kelly, I'm so sorry that I said that you were drunk with them. I did. You, I know. I need everyone to know you're the good one. Garrett, it's my honor to tell you that the main event of this podcast is going to be you describing your experience watching the film Hobbs and Shaw. Derek, there are a few times in a man's life when he gets to feel pure bliss. Maybe the first time that he has sex, maybe. I mean, my first time was awful, so I don't remember it as fondly as I remember Hobbs and Shaw. But... This, (laughs) was it the greatest movie ever made? 
It might be. Yeah, it might be. (laughs) I don't want to bury the lead. This movie fucking ruled, Derek. This movie was everything I wanted it to be and more. I loved it, Derek. I loved it. It was everything. It's The Rock being The Rock. It is Jason Statham being a funny version of the transporter. His jobs in this movie, Derek, driving cars, doing karate, and that kind of karate he does in The Transporter where he's like tying people up with up with stuff as he kicks. Fuck. Yes. All day. I'm pretty sure it's the number one movie in America right now, right? Probably in the world. It made $180 million worldwide <laughs> this weekend. It needs to make $400 million more to break even. So you guys need to go out there and see it a whole bunch of times. Because I am ready for this to... It completely takes away from the Fast and Furious franchise. The tone of the movie is completely different. Uh, they establish early on that any actor could show up in these movies. You have no idea who's going to be there. There's cameos I didn't know about. Uh, the Rock is doing wrestling moves the whole fucking time. Roman Reigns, not a single line, but you better believe that motherfucker hit a spear. And I popped so hard when he speared a dude. Because you remember how <laughs> awesome it was when he saved The Undertaker from Drew McIntyre with a spear? He does it again, but with The Rock! <laughs> during the main event <laughs> Derek at one point in this movie there is a, a helicopter being held to like a dune buggy thing by a chain and then the chain breaks it breaks Derek it's, it's in two so the rock grabs one chain yes. hold, he grabs one with a helicopter and he grabs one attached to the truck and he fucking holds them together because he's the goddamn rock I can't do, I need to move away from the microphone because I just have to give this review while I yell. (laughs) I think this is the first time in the history of this podcast I've heard you yell at the top of your lungs like this, this much or at all. No joke. Three of my favorite people in the entire world are The Rock, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba. This movie I love it that they're just like, hey, fuck it. Who gives a shit anymore? Idris Elba is part robot. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah, it's a robot with a gun fighting the rock and Jason Satham. <laughs> Derek, halfway through the movie, my wife leaned over to me and said, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and... Uh, If I can't convince you to see this, I will send you, like, what, $15 in the mail if you will promise me you will go see this movie. It is, it is the best movie. That is a hell of a promise to make to our listeners. Yeah, you might, is the movie dumb as shit? Absolutely. Does it in the, like, first 15 minutes of the movie, The Rock jumps off a fucking building to catch a guy who's going down he didn't have a rope on. He just figured he's probably going to catch up to him. And he did! And remember, hey, Transporter 2, The Rock flips that car off the thing, gets a bomb off the bottom of his car with a hook and lands it perfectly on the other side of the road. God damn it if he doesn't do it again. Statham, flipping cars. Rules don't apply. And guess what? Do you think those two get along, Derek? No, they're working reluctantly, so they're bickering the whole time. And unlike an Expendables movie where you're like, oh, I get all these guys together, but they're not really together. They kind of separate and go on separate journeys. The Rock and Statham are together so much of this movie it is perfect i am no joke fucking drenched in sweat right now because (laughs) (laughs) 
So basically what we figured out is actually Hobbs and Shaw is the biggest party of the summer. This is the biggest party of the summer. It is so much goddamn fun. It is ah, it all of the exposition you need is done in comedy scenes. And then they're just like, hey, why should we show them getting to a place? Just boom, they're there now and they're fighting. It is the movie's like two hours and 15 minutes of action scenes and the rock and Statham bickering. I'm there for it all day. How does this compare to crank two? high voltage nothing will ever beat crank too high voltage because it is the perfect level of violence nonsense and just everything a movie should be this movie though as far as like a mainstream action movie goes this movie is a saturday morning cartoon come to life it is what the transform or the what like the gi joe movie should have been did you see that i got uh, the best buy twitter account to interact with us on on social media. <laughs> oh, I popped so hard when I saw that you were talking to Best Buy on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was out over the weekend and I caught a Blu-ray copy of The Transporter at Best Buy for five bucks and mentioned it on our Twitter account. And of course, Best Buy said something back about how transportation is a very precise business. <laughs> oh, also... Guys, I- Go ahead, Garrett. No, I was going to say, uh, Luke actually brought up the transporter to me and said that he agreed that the transporter rules. More of you need to go out. If you haven't seen the transporter, take our word for it. This movie rules. Give it a view. And also, go out there and see Hobbs and Shaw. Treat yourself. I watched this movie sober, Derek, and I'm talking this excited about it. I, was it everything you wanted it to be? It really was. It's so rare that I get to go to a movie and it just is exactly what I wanted. This movie was that. Derek, I think you would enjoy the shit out of this movie because The Rock is being The Rock in it and you love Statham too. He's doing all the Statham-y things you love. This movie is mwah, chef's kiss. I'm going to go see it again this weekend. We actually tried I to may, s- I may go see it just so I can say to people when they ask me, have you seen the Fast and the Furious movies? And I could say... No, but I did see Hobbs and Shaw. Well, you know what you need to know about the Fast and Furious movies to get out of this? Nothing. 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 It's just two buddies saving the world. Garrett, I don't think we can get any higher than that in this episode. Ugh, man, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to do a whole lot of editing on that part because I spent the whole time screaming at you guys. That's fair. Leave it in there. There's a wrestling show coming to Nashville this weekend during SummerSlam. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are going to be at it with Jack Swagger. Really? And they're trying to charge me like 30 or 40 bucks for this show. And I'm like, go to hell. Uh, But Sonny Kiss is on it, and I'd love to see Sonny Kiss live. But also, it's $40 and during SummerSlam. Eh. Eh. The second biggest party of the summer is probably going to get your attention there. (laughs) If they told me one time that Capital Wrestling was the biggest party of the summer, I'd be like, oh, really? Well, you know I can watch SummerSlam (laughs) later. Derek, I please, if you find yourself with two hours to spare, please go see Hobbs and Shaw this weekend. I think it would be the best way for you to enter the Fast and Furious world and still get kind of an idea of what kind of action you've been missing out on from volumes five to eight. I may have time on Saturday. We will see. 
Oh my god. I will try to work Hobbs and Shaw into my schedule in the near future. If that movie is still out in a theater when I come up there, I would spend a whole day to see that with you. We tried to see it twice while we were in LA, Derek. We got out of a comedy show too late and couldn't see it again. And you were really sad, weren't you? Also, during the comedy show, we went to a UCB show, um, Ask Cat. It's kind of their, you know, their big uh, sketch or big improv show they do there. And the guest monologist that came out to tell a story, his suggestion was trampolines. So naturally, the guy immediately started talking about wrestling. And my wife just looked over at me like, what the fuck, man? Come on. Like, <laughs> we came here to get away from this shit. Now I have to listen to this guy talk about <laughs> wrestling and then them do improv about wrestling. Just like my Twitter profile says, wrestling is life, man. Speaking of my Twitter profile, I'm at Halloween Halpin on Twitter. Garrett over here, he's at Gartet. Our Twitter handle for the podcast is at Wrestle Hangout. On Facebook, we're at Wrestle Hangout. And on Instagram, we are at Predetermined Podcast. Also, as we stated earlier, we got an email account. We are PredeterminedPodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. Send us an email. Interact with us. We do fun stuff on social media from time to time, guys. You should check that out. Would you say that this episode was the biggest party of the summer? No. But I do think that you getting obsessively sweaty while talking about Hobbs and Shaw was pretty fucking entertaining. Just so you know, if anybody needs a picture of what I look like right now, I was sitting here in a New Japan hat and a Carly Rae Jepsen sweatshirt screaming about Hobbs and Shaw to the point that sweat was running down my face. Uh, that is, so, that, that's a positive review if I've ever heard one. Bar wrestling would approve of that. <laughs> of you being in that state. <laughs> also on this week's BTE, uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks sang a couple bars of Call Me Maybe. So, you know. They like Carly Ray too. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for you this week. Uh, hit her goddamn music. <laughs>